0: You know, you felt these same things too. I bet you felt rejection before. I I bet you've had an experience where it just didn't seem like things turned out like you had planned. I bet you've had a moment where you you come to realize that just this isn't going to be the perfect Christmas. And so today, I want you, you to find yourself in this story. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for each and every one that is here. And I thank you that your word speaks from generation to generation. And now, at this moment. Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts And open up their ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that picture up there looks so perfect, doesn't it? The star shining nice, the, the shepherd coming right in time, the wise men. Everything just looks so synced up, just perfect, like it was the perfect moment, the perfect Christmas. Well, it was, but not the kind of perfect that was portrayed in this picture. See, he read a few words just a few moments ago that you've heard. Here's the words that he read. He said, but before they came together, Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. To me, those two words were the hardest words I ever heard in my life. When Mary said to me, I'm pregnant. Are you, are you kidding me, Mary? That was it. There it is. That was the first thought that came to my head. You're, you're what? We haven't been together yet. We're, we're engaged to be married We're two God-fearing people who continue to do everything right, and you tell me you're what? That may have been the worst day of my life. See, at that point, I had a lot of decisions to make, and honestly, none of them were good ones. I could have Mary, according to Jewish law, I could have her stoned and I could end her life and the child's all at once. I also I had the right that I could divorce her quietly and not expose her to some public spectacle because I did you know because maybe I didn't want to go that route and all of these were in my rights as a man but I did love this woman but dang it, this isn't what we had planned. I was a God-fearing man, and so is she, a God-fearing woman. And we, we actually, you know, prided ourselves. Like, I'm sure you religious people have too. Prided ourselves on doing things right, on making the right decisions, on doing things according to God's will and according to the law. And we did everything we could to do things right, and she tells me she's pregnant? <sighs> I don't think you understand what I was going through in those moments. Did I believe her? You ask? Would you? I'm pregnant and the child has been conceived through the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that line would work today in your culture, but it didn't work very well in mine either. And so for a few moments, I was lost. I was confused. I had a lot of decisions to make, and none of them were good ones. To be honest with you, I didn't know what else to say to Mary. I didn't know whether I was angry. I didn't know you know, whether my love for her had ended because of this news. But, but I also did have this strange sense that I don't maybe... Maybe she's telling the truth. And so I went to sleep that night. I didn't talk to Mary anymore, and I went to sleep that night. And that night I fell into a deep sleep and begin and had an experience where I experienced extreme light. And for a moment, I thought I was going to die. And that is the way it always is when someone comes into presence with the Lord. But I was in a dream, so it's like I didn't completely understand what was going on until I heard the voice say loud and clear, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So I woke up the next morning with a new perspective. And I bet as you've read that story and you've heard the story many times before, I bet after that moment you thought, well, happily ever after for Mary and Joseph, right? Wrong. Not even close. I did have a sense now that God was in this. I did have a renewed love for Mary, this woman who would one day become my wife. I did have a new perspective on purpose and and this just feeling of being blessed, that God was doing something in our midst. God was doing something powerful. But you had to understand that as, as this baby began to grow in Mary's womb, and Nazareth, the two of us began to become more and more ostracized every day. <laughs> you know how you know how we are. You know, we say we do things for all the right reasons. We honor God for the right reasons. We worship for the right reasons. But we really like those looks that people give us. Those looks that, that they're proud of us. Those looks that they respect us those looks that they think well of us and that we're accomplished and we're you know the feeling that we're doing things right but as that baby began to grow in Mary's womb <coughs> you can only imagine the looks the people were giving us we were now inferior we were now oh that couple She's not, they're not married. And I don't even think that is Joseph's kid. The things that people were saying about us. And now I always said that I always did all these things for the right reasons, but now I was missing it. Now I was lost and confused and and torn apart and ostracized by the own people that serve the same God that I do, that were expecting the same Messiah to come that I was. And again, I was excited because I did have this feeling that God was doing something in our midst, but i got to be honest with you, some days it just stunk. Some days it was just tough. I mean, do you ever think about the things that you do for approval, your addiction to affirmation, your addiction to that look of respect? But now God is supposed to be working in our life in a miraculous way, but everyone looks at us with disdain. They deem us as inferior, and you think that I wasn't tempted to end this relationship with Mary again in those moments? You better believe I was. This wasn't easy. But why do we look at life like we should only have, we should always be optimistic, or excuse me, that it's not normal, that it's not right to have a thought of frustration, that it's not right to be confused at times, that it's not right to wonder how God is going to work everything out, because that's a normal human emotion that I bet all of you have felt, and you better believe that I did. But my frustration wasn't my compass the words that other people said about me that wasn't my identity sure it was hard but mary and i had to stay focused and as that day got close we were eight she was about 8 months pregnant according to our timing it was getting so close. It's like we're just gonna have this child. We're gonna get married, and then maybe people will forget how all of this happened, and we're gonna have this child just in the comfort of our own home. I don't I know everybody's ostracized us, we, we won't have any probably won't have anybody else around. And and Mary was getting really close, and she was kind of starting to get to where she was she was really uncomfortable. And then we get this news Can <sighs> you imagine? Eight months pregnant. You get this news. The pompous Caesar Augustus has decided to take a census. My wife's eight months pregnant and he's decided to take a census. Now, I know that doesn't connect, but for me, my hometown was back in Bethlehem. So that meant that because if I didn't do it, what Caesar Augustus wanted me to do, we'd have all kinds of repercussions. Honestly, we could even be in trouble with the law if we didn't journey 90 miles to Bethlehem to be a part of this census. And by the way, you know why rulers have censuses? They do this just so they can see how big they've become, how much they can tax their people, and they can tell everybody what their number is. Look at how big my kingdom has become. So for Caesar Augustus, I now had to go... And tell Mary, hey, you know what's good for pregnancy? How about a ninety, just a quick ninety-mile stroll across the desert? This is going to be great. And you know what? If you get if you get tired or just need a break, I have a real comfortable camel that you can ride on. I mean, if any, nothing says comfort and relaxation like a camel ride, ninety miles. This journey took us a week. (laughs) This was before we had doctor's orders like you guys do today. They say, by the way, when you get eight months pregnant, you shouldn't be traveling anymore. Stay as close to the hospital as you possibly can. Me and Mary had to begin our journey for the census all the way to Bethlehem. I didn't know whether we were going to make it back, but I did have some hope. As we were on that journey, and I could tell that this child may very well, as, as this journey just kept getting harder and harder for her, I could tell that this child may very well be coming soon. And you know what hope I had? Is that, you know what, we're going back home, my home in Bethlehem. I have family there. I have cousins there. I have people who know me there. They will be ready to receive me in our time of need. And as the journey continued, we became more and more exhausted because, again, this isn't, I mean, I'm doing fine, but I'm watching Mary go through this, and this isn't what you're supposed to be doing when you're eight months pregnant. And what a relief it was when we finally made it to Bethlehem. And so it was at that point I began checking in with different family members, people that knew me. And they had those looks. The same looks that we had in Nazareth. This look of disdain. Joseph, you're not married yet. And this woman, she's pregnant. And see, every home had an extra room. It was just kind of customary. You had a couple rooms. It was called the guest room. It was the place that people stayed when family came to town, and especially if family came to town and they were getting ready to have a baby, that you would offer them a room. And I continued to knock on the doors of my family, and time and time and time again, rejection, rejection. And the rejection was one thing, you know, but that look, Joseph, I thought so much highly, more highly of you. Why are you doing this? Why are you still with this woman? These were not easy days. Finally, we found someone. A friend. Not even a friend, excuse me. Someone who didn't even know us. We call him a friend now, but someone who didn't even know us So we can't have you come into our home according to Jewish law. As the two of you have a child and you're not married. But you can have this child right here in our front room, which is where all the the animals went, and there would also be a feeding trough for the animals. You can have this space to have your child. Do you know what that's like for a guy? I work on my life. I set everything up so that that her and I can have, you know, fulfill our dreams together. And here I am, this moment where she's about to give birth to my child, and I walk upon this beautiful feeding trough to put our newborn child in. But I didn't have time to get all consumed with myself. I mean, I was angry. You know, you've heard the old saying before, I love God and I love God, but I cuss a little. You know, that was me when I was knocking on those doors and nobody was letting me in. But I didn't have time to be about myself because Mary was was given birth. Mary needed to find a place as quickly as she could. And man, I've worked hard all my life. But man, I never seen labor like this before. And it's just me. And Mary, and the smells, and the animals. And she gives birth to this child. When this baby was finally born, I looked into his eyes before I handed him to his mother. And I had this moment. It's like this child looked into my eyes, and I can almost hear the words. It's like he was saying, you said yes to me. Thank you. You said yes to me. You said yes to Mary. You said yes to life. And see, I was sensing this, of course, as I was saying yes to this child, but it was also a recognition of who this child was, the son of the living God. I hope you have moments like that where you hear the, the, the spirit of God say to you, in this moment, you said yes to me. Barb, in this moment, you said yes to me. Joel, in this moment, you said yes to me. Patty, thank you for saying yes to me. That's what I saw in the eyes of this child. And so, for a moment, when it was just me and Mary alone, it was there that we experienced a perfect moment, what you might call the perfect Christmas, the first Christmas. But see, it wouldn't be long. We just had a moment. It wouldn't be long before these shepherds came storming in and these guys were. These guys were fired up. They were out of breath, and it's like they'd missed something, and they were like breathing heavy and they they, they they just they couldn't even talk for a second. They just needed to calm down and they told they told us that they had seen an angel too, like a, similar to the one I had seen in my dream, and the excitement in their eyes for this child, but see, it wouldn't stop there. You know, before and just a few more in 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 the months ahead, Simeon would prophesy over this child. The prophet Ann would prophesy, or Anna would prophesy over this child. And even a year and a half to two years down the road, wise men would come from all. These these people weren't even Jewish; Uh, they were nothing like us, and they came wondering, "Where is this child that was to be born?" (laughs) To have all of these come. Have all of these moments of confirmations. But see, it wasn't always like that. And see, we, and I don't work this way and you don't work this way either. I hope that God has spoken to you at some point in your life. But it's not like every day you have these epiphany moments and every day the clouds part or the prophet comes or the wise men come or the shepherds come. You know, those things don't happen every day. And you'd think those moments would would sustain us, right? But of course, at times we still begin to wonder. Of course, at times we still fall back on ourselves and get consumed with our own frustrations. But so it wasn't always these divine moments. For me, it was I got the privilege of raising this child and watching him become a man. I taught him my trade and. As a carpenter, I showed Jesus how to build with his hands, but as a father and as a son of the living God, I couldn't help but say that I learned so much from him. Isn't that what we always do as fathers? If we'll slow down enough and pay attention to the privilege that we have, we can learn so much from this experience so as you've heard my story today before you leave I want to give you three things that, that I know that you whether you've rec- realized it or not you're already a part of this story you're already a part of the Christmas story because you realize these things are happening in your life right now and I hope you hear my story and realize that you're still a part of what took place thousands of years ago and so here's the first thing Imagine, imagining what it's like or, or, or finding yourself in that moment that I bet some of you are at today, maybe perhaps many of you are at today, when things are not working out like you had planned them. Have you said that to yourself recently? Things are not working out like we planned this is not what I expected. This is not what I had hoped for. I mean, do y'all remember what it was like to be in your twenties? I don't see anybody in here in their twenties anymore, except me. But, um, but many, but many scholars, many by the way, many scholars argue about my age. But your tradition is often told as two people beginning a new life together. There's actually stories that I was a lot older, and because many don't know how long. I went on to live, and, you know, I'm here today, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to keep you guys guessing. You can figure that one out for yourself. But, but imagine what it was like when you were that age, when you imagined the house that you would have, the amount of money that you would make, and how happy your family would be, what your vacations would look like. Remember all of those moments, and some of you here, by the grace of God, may have had to, got to experience some of your dreams, but for all of us, in some way... Things have not worked out like we had planned, have they? I learned there's nothing wrong with dreams. Nothing wrong with dreams at all. But life has never been about your plans. It was never about my plans either. Things don't work out as planned. And they, they, cause us great, they can cause us great frustration if we have not yet given ourselves over to the will of God. So today I want to tell you that when you begin to plan, when you begin to dream, when you begin to seek, include the living God in your dreams, then you will open the door to destiny and each day can be an adventure, not just a stepping stone. And many of us think about the Lord, of, the Lord God as a God of climax. But me, <laughs> just like you, I got to spend every day with Jesus for nearly 30 years. Just like you, you get to spend every day with Jesus. Things may not work out like you have planned something powerful happens when we begin to pursue his will above ours then every day is an adventure every day is a day of seeking secondly for my story I can imagine here that there are people who have felt the pain from family rejection maybe in some way maybe you're you didn't go knocking on doors for a place so that your your soon-to-be wife could give birth to a child and get rejected time and time again. But many of you have felt the pain of family rejection. The feeling, and right now, even as Christmas season is coming around, things just aren't right. See, we have this... I had we had this amazing experience in our life, and just the shepherds to share it with. None of our relatives would walk up, welcome us into our homes. And it's easier; it's easy for me to be bitter, especially if it's someone that you've cared for, or for you to be bitter, or someone that's supposed to be a primary relationship for you. It's so easy to be bitter, to be jaded, and to even to live your life that way. But peace. And reconciliation can come when we can recognize that maybe we just don't understand each other as much as we think we do. See, as my family denied me time and time again, I had the same thoughts about Mary. When I heard the news when she told me those two words, I'm pregnant. I wanted to reject her pretty quickly, too. They didn't have the time to allow this news to sit in. They didn't have the time to under, try and understand all they knew was what they'd seen. And see, we can remain dug in, and or whether we do something intentional to make things right or not, we must learn to set our hearts free. We must start imagining what those that we love, that there is a tension with, what they might be going through. Because see, in all times, we're all victims of our own culture. In, in my time, an adulterer would have needed to be executed. We, and, and, and this is what we were supposed to do. This is what, what, according to law, seemed right. But we can all be victims of doing what we think is best, mostly because of what everyone else is doing. We can become victims of that. We can be doing the wrong things because this is what everybody else is doing. And then there's people around us that, are, that have greater needs and we just don't understand. We all get lost sometimes. But it's our choice to love. It's our choice to imagine what someone else may be going through. To choose empathy and love over bitterness and resentment that brings death to our souls and venom to our tongue. And finally... I want to talk to you about the perfect Christmas. Kind of like that picture right there, right? The perfect Christmas. How many of you are trying this year for the perfect Christmas? Well, hey, I've understood your culture a little bit. I want you to understand something. Perfect perfection in my moment, it didn't come because we had the lights just right. Because we got those lights on the roof, on three different parts of the roof, and we put our lives on the line to get up there. Right, guys? It was worth it. It was worth it so everybody could see, man, their lights look good. Uh, our our Christmas wasn't perfect because the ham was cooked perfectly, because all of our family could be there, because we, we, we could feel festive in our Christmas sweaters with our eggnog. It wasn't perfect because everyone got a gift and they, everybody had something to open. It wasn't perfect because we got a Christmas card to everyone because without feeling like you missed something, which by the way, you missed somebody on your Christmas cards. I just want to let you know, okay? That moment was perfect. Because we could appreciate what we had. We could appreciate the privilege of bringing a special child into this world. But mostly because we could realize that we were part of something much bigger than ourselves. I hope that's what my story reminds you of. I hope that's what this story reminds you of. You're part of something that's much bigger than your own agendas and your own planning. See, it did not look the way that we wanted it to, but it was perfect. And you notice the best things in life are the things that you have no control of. They're out of your hands. These things that happen to you. I got to experience some of these. Maybe you have too. Like that look in your spouse's eyes that says, I'm with you through and through. I know it's hard right now, but we're going to get through this together. Maybe it was that first look in your eyes from a newborn. And then when they looked back at you, Maybe it was in the joy of watching your children grow and come to understand things their own way. Or maybe it's the moments when someone surprised you with some unexpected gifts or unexpected words of hope and encouragement. You didn't get to plan those things. They weren't part of your agenda. They happened to you. And it's all part of this experience of this journey together. But we have to be willing to make room for a child. When it doesn't seem to make sense, when it doesn't seem to be right, we have to be willing to make room for new birth in our life. To allow for some change. To allow for some new opportunity. To allow for some new conviction. To allow ourselves to again say yes to the living God. Can I pray for you? Lord, thank you for each and every one that has come this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can learn from this text in about moments than things when, did, did, when things did not turn out as we had planned. When even in our moment of family rejection and family tension, and even in our strivings to make the perfect Christmas, That God, in the middle of all of our failings, in the middle of all of our plans, when we find you and your still small voice, there is perfection. And perfection comes when we say yes to you. So all across this church, with every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment, those words... I believe, means something different to each and every one here. But to give you a chance to respond to the living God. If you hear his word today and you simply want to say just in his acknowledgement that, God, I hear you today, and in this moment, I say yes to you. If that's you, just lift up your hand right now, just in agreement. Just in agreement, yes, yes, yes. All across the church this morning. Hearing in the voice of God and in confirmation of what he's speaking to us. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are a God that is alive. Thank you for bringing this story to life and reminding us that we are part of this right now in our world today. As we go forth today, may we be empowered with the things that we can't control, by the things that we can't control, but also to do what we can with the resources that we have been given. May we, may we enjoy the adventure that life that comes when we can experience each day with Christ, your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand this morning for your benediction. And I thank you for your award for being the biggest Joseph you've ever seen in your life. I'll receive that award well, Kim. May you make your plans first about his plans. May you experience renewed love, grace, and empathy this season in your strained relationships. And in the midst of all the chaos or the unsettled facets of your life, may you find the perfect Christmas. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.